Hi, this is Dara from A Chronic Entrepreneur, and I'd just like to welcome you to my very first podcast. And I'm interviewing a very special person in my life, the fabulous Miss Amanda Campbell from Ben Lake Bamboo. Um, full disclosure, I've known Amanda for about four years, and she was one of the first people I turned to when I was diagnosed. I found her through Pete Evans, and we've become friends ever since. So I just wanted to say, hi, Amanda, and welcome. Oh, what a beautiful intro. Thank you so much, Dara. It's so cool to be here and honoured to be your first um, podcast guest. Right. And full disclosure, we have been sitting here for 10 minutes trying to work out backgrounds and how it sounds and what we'll talk about. So hopefully all goes well. Yeah, no, you've got some really cool bloopers there. So we'll edit that in later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so the title of the podcast is Chronic Entrepreneur. So it's really for me trying to change the dialogue and narrative around chronic illness and hoping like letting people find good news stories about being diagnosed with chronic illness when i was diagnosed five and a half years ago that i just opened my business and i could not find anything on the web about good news stories about people succeeding and thriving with a chronic illness, especially with a business. Um, so I guess what, Amanda, to give us a bit of background on you, what's your chronic and what came first for you, the chronic or the entrepreneurism? Mm, very good question. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 24 years old in 2004. Mm -hmm. I'm 40 years old yesterday. Half math, half math, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little while ago and no I think the entrepreneur um, came first because when I was um, around that age actually when I was diagnosed at age 24 I was um, working in the fashion industry um, as a personal assistant behind the scenes with um, some really beautiful designers um, and I launched um, my first startup, which was Miss Amanda Fashion, to sell high-end online um, clothing at a reduced price, where I saw a gap in the market where, you know, you know, we need, um, if we uh, last season stock and it was on sale so that it was more accessible to other people to be able to afford beautiful high-end clothes. Because I worked with Chaton Couture, beautiful high-end designers, um, made-to-measure gowns um, and Sabatini knitwear. Fun. I actually didn't know that you had the online store. Yeah, well, we haven't really spoken about that. So that was my first attempt at tech and um, and a startup. And I really always wanted to have my own business. My twin sister's always been the same. She's got Crohn's disease. You should interview her too. Um, she has always been an entrepreneur as well. And before that, we sang and wrote our own music. So that, I guess, is a bit entrepreneurial where we were doing our own thing. Um, and... Um, when we were musicians, all through our teens and 20s, we, you know, you had to pay the bills, you had to pay your rent as well. So that's how I fell into the fashion industry and then how my twin fell into the beauty industry um, to pay the bills. But that ended up being careers that we really enjoyed on the side anyway. Um, and then after Miss Amanda Fashion, um, what did I do? I, so I left uni and I studied fashion. Then we did the music. Then I started Miss Amanda Fashion um, and, then I, and then I was... Um, and then I got sick, but I'd, I'd already been diagnosed. And then I had um, a, a big relapse 
at age 29, five years after my diagnosis, where one lesion on the right-hand side of my brain completely paralyzed the left-hand side of my body. It's crazy, huh? That was a very fast-forward way of explaining the diagnosis. Well done. That was our goal. <laughs> so, yeah, diagnosed at 24 and in 2004. And then a few symptoms, you know, here and there, but years apart. So was able to forget that I was even diagnosed with MS. I was very lucky. I had um, pins and needles, numbness, sometimes some balance issues, and that was it. But then, bang, at age 29, there was one lesion that just got me and flipped my life completely upside down to the point where I was living in rehabilitation for two months and faced with never walking again at age 29. Wow. That's pretty. Yeah. So I had to pause my whole business and um, completely put it um, into hibernation. And um, I had to, yeah, I had to completely stop what I was doing. It took a whole year to recover from that. Yeah, it's big recovering from that first relapse. For me, it was it took a long time as well. But I kind of felt that up leading up to that first relapse, there were so many warning signs that I just didn't. Yeah, to. I agree. My body was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're not listening, then you're out. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you're a doer, so you kind of ignore those alarm bells because you just get on with it. You get on with it. And we learn how to get on with it. And in my private practice as a kinesiologist, um, you know, I've learned that the emotional links that to address with the physical disease of MS is very much about um, being a go-getter, even to the point where you, you harden up and you become numb to how you're really feeling. Yeah. And that's what needs to be addressed to step into healing. Totally. And with, mm. So you obviously, once you were in rehab, you had to pivot because you couldn't do the fashion anymore. Is that correct? Yeah, I had to completely stop working. The, my only focus was learning how to eat with two hands. I couldn't shower. I couldn't walk, wash or feed myself without any assistance. So um, I had the traditional three days of steroids, but I wasn't responding to treatment. So they had... They added another two days to that, but I wasn't responding. So they transferred me to live in rehabilitation at Epworth Richmond. Um, and I um, stopped. Um, they were tweaking my medication because I was on Avonex, but that stopped working, they decided. And then um, I, I started um, physio, neurophysiotherapy with um, Gavin Williams and um, his colleague, Sean, who I owe my... Body Shut. and life too. <laughs> like they were, I just fell into the hands of some really amazing people. And what I know now, though, is whether you suffer a stroke or um, any condition that paralyzes you, the first six weeks are profoundly important as to as to your recovery. You need to get onto it really fast. And I was just in the right team where I was doing it twenty four seven. And then also at the same time, I took a very east meets west approach. I had a kinesiologist working on me every few days, and yeah. so I, I really think that um, balanced approach um, supported a faster healing process. And I was just started to repair faster. And they thought I would never walk again because I wasn't responding. But it was like about uh, six to seven weeks of black hole moments, no progress, sitting in my wheelchair, going, "Wow, this is my life." Um, to finding hope one day. Um, where my toe moved for the first time and 
now I know looking back is, you know, what you believe can happen and what you believe about yourself is what matters. And when I found hope again, I started to change my mind about what I believed could be possible. And instead of channeling my energy in a destructive way, which I might've done probably in my teens and twenties, I channeled my go-getting um, entrepreneurial spirit in a more positive way of I am, I can, I am already, I am enough, I am well, I will achieve rather than pushing and trying too hard. You know that feeling where you're just hustling too much and it's coming from a place of fear because we're either in growth and repair or we're in survival and stress. Those are two predominant pathways. And I think for much of my earlier years, I was always, um, the survival program was very dominant as it is when you're building a business, as it is when you're healing from an illness or recovering from a paralysis. But when you can train your mind and body to choose growth and repair signals, you're going to accelerate your healing. And that's what I found for myself and how I work with my clients now. I think it's interesting like that, like you're talking about the growth and repair. And I think being when you're diagnosed or even just having a chronic illness, like you, you either go into, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. Or for want of a better word, you kind of accept it and become victim. And those people generally get a bit sicker. Whereas the doers, the, the A types, the whatever, we just kind of get on with it and you can't let it stop and define you. It just becomes part of you. Absolutely. I absolutely and agree. Manage as well. I think that's the the so they're the I guess they're the kind of things I want to talk about a bit more. Like what impact does having MS or chronic illness have on the way you do business and the way that you manage your health and stress? Because you know, stress is a part of everyday life and it's And especially when you're running a business and especially when you're running a business on your own. Yeah. Because I think there's, I think, you know, there's stress of running a business with people and stress of running a business on your own, completely two different kinds of stress, but like, how do you deal with that? And how do you, what, what are the, like the management things that you put in place? Well, the, the really cool thing is what I learned um, was um, in everything in hindsight, right? All the lessons I learned walking again and rebuilding my life personally and having to learn how to walk again, later applied in um, looking after myself and performing when I had to, in my own business, setting up my private practice, being a sole trader in that way. Um, but also when I had an opportunity to start a company that ended up being, you know, nearly 50 people. And then so the way that I conducted business and mindset strategies and my energetic approach would um, absolutely does ricochet um, across the board with whoever's part of your team. And so um, being um, my morning routine is absolutely and still is to this day um, how I set myself up for success. So when we are more calm, we are more inclined to focus on what we want and the positive and best case scenarios. When we are stressed, we tend to focus on what we don't want and worst case scenarios because that's the safest way. Mm-hmm. So it, the more calm we are, and the more that you can wash your mind in the same way that you would wash your body. Um, the more likely you are to wash and let go of negative ideas and old redundant beliefs that are no longer serving you, that are, you 
know, usually um, ingrained in us from our upbringing, our mum and dad, our environment, our experiences around us, and even every day now, just who we interact with. You've got to know how to reset your brain from the start of the day, because we have this beautiful filter system called the reticular activation system of the brain. And its job is to bring resources to you so you can make things happen for yourself. But if you're focused on what you don't want and fear, you'll only notice more of that in your environment around you. But also that is what dictates interpretation of what your cell um, the cells that you, the sorry the the signals that your cells will receive growth and repair or survival and stress so if you can be um, have a calming um, a ritual in the morning that elevates your frequency in the same way that a performer would prepare for, to elevate the audience in a show you can rise above and be bigger than your fear bigger than your problems you can see obstacles as opportunities um, and and evolve and grow as a person and, and as a business as well totally like I, I yeah i think it's yeah mindset's everything isn't it everything it will surpass the best nutrition um, regime and the best movement program although those things are equally as really 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 important and will become make your mindset so much more powerful when you're eating the right food and you know you're looking after your digestive system moving your body but what i've noticed in anyone that i've worked with in my own patterns is if your mindset isn't right it kind of cancels a lot of stuff out do you ever find that yes yeah you can yeah and you can get further and further into a hole if yeah. your mindset's not great and it's not until that moment where you pivot and you shift it that things change and, and because we're designed to survive that's the predominant um program right so you've got to work on consciously work on um you know promoting growth and repair and bruce lipton's got amazing work on this um he calls it the honeymoon effect where we're conscious you know when you're in that honeymoon stage and you're yeah. falling in love and you're conscious of what you're wearing you're conscious of your etiquette and your behavior and he talks about this being our most creative state and when we're in that honeymoon stage it's no different to being in the present moment and so when you find yourself in the opposite of mode of to that you could call that autopilot where you're switched off you're not being the best version of yourself you've checked out your mind body and spirit there's no alignment there at all um, you're stressed and you know you're when you're in autopilot you might drive home and you can't even remember the streets you turned down and you're not um, behaving in the best way that you know you know you could you can hear yourself so a trick is just catch yourself when you're focused on the past or over analyzing the future and bring yourself back into the moment because that's what chooses growth and repair that's what chooses that calm state and your nervous system almost exhales and goes oh I'm safe I don't need to prioritize survival I can prioritize being you know growth and repair yeah. So to answer your questions, um, not like with to do with um, business strategy and and um, how I set myself up for work. Um, when you're creating an optimal mindset and health, this also applies to our performance. So I know we spoke before we started recording. You had another business called Nourish, which was an amazing organic food home delivery service of which I was a customer, and the meals were amazing. Um, unfortunately, that business is not around anymore. No, um, no I wish it was. I know. I think you're a bit ahead of the time. But how did you deal with the closure of that and your mental health around that and also your physical health with MS? Because 
I find for me, it's always the period after the stress is when I get the four week migraine or I get that. And that's when I have to be extra kind to myself and not have high expectations. So how did you, how did you manage your health through that? Yeah, well, Nourish was a great experience. I co-founded that with my partner at the time, Scott, and also Vino Mofo. And we set out to be as organic as possible. We weren't 100% organic, but we were aiming to get there. Um, and ethically sourced was the other huge... Um, was the huge component of what I was trying to build with that business because where your food comes from is what matters and what, and how nutrient dense it will be. Um, and how we can live together as a community and, and share resources in the future. And so, um, running the business, I, you know, same thing. I had a morning ritual. I made sure that I was meditating. I was journaling um, and that I, well, I was eating well because <laughs> I had a food company <laughs> and I had all my breakfast, lunches and dinners taken care of. So that was really cool. Um, so that so gave me good. more time. Yeah. Well, that's the ethos of the business is, you know, um, save time where, you know, we'll prepare and deliver your meals fresh and, you know, made up for you. But when it, um, when we could no longer um, run that business anymore, um, it was it was very sad. But um, yeah, I think that um, in hindsight, I would have moved faster into. Um, it's all about money coming in versus money coming out, right? And um, yeah, with. Um, uh, organic meals and organic ingredients. We had some clever strategies, but you've got to move fast. Yeah. You've got to move fast. And we were trying to move into corporates with fridges and I was, I'm a motivational speaker as well. I talk about resilience. So I would talk about my story, a huge, why we did what we did and explain why you need to eat well and nourish your body on a cellular level. And, um, I remember it probably took me, um, at least six months to recover from from being in from being in such a fast-paced environment um, because I was working seven days a week most of the day and a lot of sometimes the night as well. There was the stage of of creating it and inventing systems that didn't even exist yet. So there was so much work there, and then just maintaining a kitchen versus all the delivery drivers, and then our um, headquarters where we were, you know, running, you know, the marketing and, you know, all the strategy and the board meetings. It's, it was this, it's the same answer, whether I was, um, whether I was recovering from a paralysis or a relapse, or um, if I'm going through change in my life, um, whether you're going through a breakup or whether you're trying to perform at your best at work, you need to give the mind and body the best environment, in my opinion, to choose growth and repair so you can thrive. So, um, mindset strategies, nutrition and movement are my um, core pillars um, because that is what gives you true connection um, in the mind and body. Mm -hmm. And did you find that, I know for me, like when I'm stressed, it's yeah. always the things that are best for me are the things that are the first to go. And it's not like to you're in the middle of it and you go, why do I feel so crap? Oh, I've stopped meditating. I'm eating badly. I'm yeah. doing all that. Like, how do you, like, no one's perfect, but how do you 
stay on top of it. Like it's... Well, I've scheduled them as meetings. You've got to make yourself accountable. Everything's a mirror image of what you're believing. So an example of that is, um, let's say, you know, you're having a bad week and you start to believe, oh, things aren't really working out for me. Um, you know, you'll become quite reactive when anything in your environment makes that true. Mm-hmm. And so not eating well can make that true. Um, not exercising, missing your meditation in the morning makes it true. Things aren't working out for me. But yeah. then if you're having a great week and you're of the mindset and mentality of, oh, things are actually working out for me and it's, it's not just a thought, you're really believing it and you know, you'll know the difference. Mm. Um, you'll be more inclined to make that belief true in your actions. So I yeah. think understanding what your beliefs are and um, you know, what you're wanting is not enough to make it happen. We have goals from our conscious mind. But what you believe is what matters and you want what you believe to align with what you're wanting. But for many of us, there's an inner conflict where what we're wanting is not in alignment with what we believe can be possible about ourselves um, and what's possible for our lives. So um, I use kinesiology in my private practice at Ben Like Bamboo to get to the bottom of it of my clients inner conflict. When I got to the bottom of that for myself, it was a game changer. Because in that moment where I found hope and I started to... um, and I walked again for the first time, what I wanted and what I believed started to shift like this. And as my mindset started to shift like that, my body literally started to repair faster and I walked and ran within six weeks of them sitting down with me saying, I don't think you might may ever walk again. And that was massive, that realisation. Um, you know, there's something in that. Totally. And again, it's that mindset. It's all about the mind I think the mind's more powerful than anything else that we do and it's very subconscious what we're believing but the way that you can find figure out what you're believing you know if you can't um at the moment you know we can't just run and have a kinesiology session unless you do one online but your reactions will show you what you're believing so um let's say you're a person that believes at the moment that nothing's really working out for you and let's pretend that you um, got up and you were late for work and you lost your keys, you would react maybe like this, oh, of course I lost my keys, not another thing today. Whereas um, if you were believing that things were working out for you and you lost your keys and it made you late, you might more respond in this way, oh, bugger, I lost my keys. It wouldn't get under your skin. You wouldn't react so much and you would just problem solve and find a solution and move on. Yeah. You know the difference? Don't dwell on the, the poor me kind of... Yeah. And whatever is making you dwell is the link to what you're believing. Totally. If you, and then like you keep saying, I have no money, I have no money. Yeah. The universe can only hear that and that's your situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what you believe is what matters. Just wanting something is not enough to make it happen. And what you believe is a mirror image of what biochemistry you're firing in your body, growth and repair or survival and stress. You're amazing. Yeah. Oh, you're amazing. No, you hang up. No, you hang up.